I want to say a personal thank you to Chris Hand, who, of course, is my friend, my fellow labourer, and my pastor. So thank you, Chris, for your continued love and support, and, of course, all of those coffees that we get through so easily in Christ. Would you then turn with me to 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. It's 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4. The elders who are among you I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and an, a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partner of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you serving as overseers not by compulsion but willingly. Not for dishonest gain but eagerly, not nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Let us pray. Father, we have already come to you in prayer. But we come again when we ask of you that your name would be glorified. That this passage, this phrase, the chief shepherd, oh, that we would glorify your great name as we gather. We gather as your people. We gather from far and wide. And the reality is, oh Lord, that we are here through and in by the name of your son our chief shepherd. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Amen. I think, friends, I, I hope you would be willing to admit that it's fair to say that we are all guilty of taking things for granted. We take things for granted. Many things, don't they, become so familiar to us. This happens... In so many different ways, in so many different circumstances. We find even the trivial things of our life as we drive our cars, or rather you in London as you catch your buses. We go through the motions. Just doing what is required. By the end of the journey, remembering nothing of it. You've ever got in your car and you've gone 20 miles or gone on the bus, you do it all the while, and then in reality you don't even remember a moment of it. You just arrived. We, we make a cup of tea, we, we walk the dog, and it all just happens so easy to us. Just something we do every day. Even the most precious things, the dear things to us, become so familiar with family life. The coming and the goings. We, we sit, we eat together. Do all the things that families do. Yet thinking on them, reflecting on them, has that all just come too and over familiar to us? Is it just something that we do? We go through the motions. We're habits, aren't we? We're creatures of habits. We do things. We like things in their places. Everything so often seems so familiar to us. Then what about church? How about church? Is this familiar to us? That we have become maybe passive in it. It's just something that happens on a particular day of the week. Yes, I enjoy it. Yes, we admit, don't we? we? We wouldn't be without it. But there is a reality, that, that familiarity of 
It's just settled deep within. And the outcome, sadly, often the outcome is you've lost the very beauty and the very preciousness and the blessings of meeting together. Those things that, that we do as we, we gather together, we partake in the Lord's Supper. We know that the Scriptures command us to do so. We know and we admit, we preach, don't we, that it's necessary. Yet our hearts have been dimmed towards it. Because it's just something we do. You say those, those great hymns we've sang to already. I hope to sing another. We say we must never stop singing those. We must hold them tightly. I would agree. But has familiarity come in like rot? And the real sense of worship is at best cold and at worst it's disappeared. We must ask I hope we can be humble enough even this afternoon as we gather together in the name of our precious Lord Jesus Christ, the Chief Shepherd. Let us ask ourselves as we begin to gaze upon him. We ask the question as we see our churches sing truths as if Christ is still in the grave. Then I ask you even further... What of Christ? What of that phrase that Peter uses so lovely, our chief shepherd? What of him? It's the very title of our day together. Christ, the chief shepherd. Brothers, sisters, that's not new language to you. It's familiar, isn't it? Indeed, I assume that it is. It's familiar. The chief shepherd is not something that you've just heard of. I imagine that you've read this passage. Maybe you've read it a thousand times. You've, you've heard as many sermons on the subject and, and have read the best of books on this great topic. Yet, dear saints, as we meet this afternoon, I ask again, have we lost sight of him? Have we lost sight of this chief shepherd? Have we taken our eyes off of Christ? Beloved, let us ask ourselves this afternoon, have we become cold? Have we become cold? Have we become Christians who, who read the books and read the book and, and, and think and ponder on such glorious topics, yet, yet in it all, that Christ, our chief shepherd, has become also familiar to us. That has resulted in passiveness or even coldness. Let us consider for a moment Christ, our shepherd. The poster to which someone here at Ridley put together, I don't know if I sent some idea to what to write on it, but I thought it was good anyway. Let me read it to you. It says this, Christ is all we need. He has redeemed us and he safeguards us with steadfast love. One day we shall partake in a feast with him in his eternal kingdom as Christians we may grow weary and at times become disheartened in our efforts there may be moments when we stumble without even realizing it but let us gaze upon the great shepherd he guides us he leads us and ultimately he will bring us hope isn't that lovely? As we consider, as we have just sang of such sweet truths. Three things I want to consider of Christ, our chief shepherd, and it is this, all three, only three. Our shepherd, the redeemer. 
our shepherd, our friend and our safety, and our shepherd, our eternal hope. And as, as we consider this, I plead with you, friends, to take off your hat of familiarity. Don't be that, that person who, who sits here and thinks, I know all of this. This is not a new subject. This is, this is, uh, this is pretty simple stuff here. Friends, take that hat off, I ask. Familiarity. You may say, this is a sermon so too familiar. I would plead again, remove the hat. These are glorious truths. These are precious in our eyes. And I trust even this very moment are precious in your hearts. Christ in the scriptures is described in so many ways. He himself calls himself the door, the light, the resurrection, the life, the true vine. And then, of course, he says, I am the good shepherd. But it's that name here, that title, if you like, that Peter gives Christ. To me, it's not only beautiful, but it is indeed very magnificent. It, it describes him, Christ our shepherd, Christ our redeemer, Christ our friend, our safety, Christ our eternal hope. It describes him as the chiefest, the best, the highest. Paul the Apostle in Ephesians 1 and 22 describes and, and says sim, sim, similar things. He put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Friends, simply, Christ is supreme. Christ is supreme over all things. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the chief shepherd, the head of the church, who rules all things according to the counsel of his own will. And the writer to the Hebrew des describe him thus. Hebrews 1.3 God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of his majesty, of the majesty on high. So, this Christ, this Christ, this chief shepherd who has been appointed heir of all things through whom the world was made. Friends, how often do we sit and meditate upon the gravity, the height, the depth of that? Colossians puts it something wonderfully. I may have it here in my notes somewhere that they were, it was made by him and for him. By him and for him who is the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, who upholds all things by the word of his power. It's him. It's Christ. It's the chief shepherd. And who did what? You see, if we meditate long enough, if we, if we think upon the, the heights, the depths, of these great truths. And then we come to the, the wonderful thing here in Hebrews 1. It is this Christ. 
It is the Christ, the Son of the living God, who is the chief shepherd, king of kings, lord of lords, who has purged our sins. Friends, did you hear that? He purged our sins. This is Christ. This is our chief shepherd. This is the great I am. This is the Alpha and the Omega. This is the one whom the Apostle John writes, who says he took on flesh and dwelt among us. Christ the God-man who took on flesh, who Peter calls the chief shepherd is truly our Redeemer. He has purchased us with his own blood. Acts 20, 28 puts it succinctly, Therefore, take heed to yourself and all the flock among whom and which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. You know it, friends, don't you? You, you could finish this, this verse off for me. You know it well. But let us, by the power of the Spirit, consider it much more as we seek to know our chief shepherd. It says this, of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Let me ask you a question again. How did you become part of the church? How did you become part of the church Catholic, if you like, the universal body of Christ? How did you become a part of it? Were you born into it? How is it that you have a place in heaven even now being prepared for you? How is it that today you have been declared righteous before a thrice holy God? Is it your baptism? Is it your fidelity to your local church? Or is it that Christ, your shepherd, has redeemed you? Friends, to redeem you means he has brought you, he has purchased you, he has taken you. This, if you are Christian here this afternoon, this very much applies to you, that he has taken you from bondage that you were in. He has set you free. Oh, what a bondage Egypt is and was. Sin is an awful slave master. Oh, friends, and its wages is most awful. Its wages is terrifying. The wages of sin, as you well know, is death. But... You have been redeemed. You have been purchased. You belong to another. You have been set free. You have now a new master. And he is Christ, the true and the great and the chiefest of shepherds. We cannot but mention John 11, 10 verse 11, can we? As I've already mentioned that Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. We carry on. John 15 verse 13. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Don't go grabbing your hat of familiarity, please. Don't do that. Chew this through. Think on this. Be refreshed by the power of the Spirit. Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Brethren, this is a wonderful reality that Christ, who is our chief shepherd, did this, purchasing us with his own blood. One theologian writes it like this, Christ gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness, to liberate us 
from all the ravages of the fall, dying under the law's curse to redeem us from it. And as ever, the hymn writer understood it well. O perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Saints, those of you who have been redeemed, those of you who are his, this is the great work of the great shepherd. Breaking the chains that we were enslaved by, crushing the head of Satan who once held you captive by paying the price for our sin, by dying that you might live and have it in abundance. Truly beloved, our chief shepherd is our redeemer. Our shepherd is also our friend. He is the very place of safety. And are we not desperate to need in the need of safety? This very moment, this very hour, as that clock ticks, we need a friend, do we not? Your pastor... I hope, wherever you're from, I hope he's a good friend. I hope your husband or your wife, I tell you, my wife is the bestest of friends. She's my best friend. We have good friends. David and Jonathan were friends. Nothing compares to this friendship. Nothing compares to this great companionship. We have said so much of Christ, even in these short moments, that he is supreme over all things, that he who is eternal took on flesh, God incarnate died, rose again, ascended on high for our redemption. Brethren, it does not stop there. Our chief shepherd calls you and I friend. John 15, of course, is where we read such lovely things. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay his da- life down for for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. He goes on, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. Dear Christian, Here this afternoon, I want you to see that you have a glorious privilege. You're in the best of relationships. Look here how our chief shepherd refers to his own. The elect of God he calls his friends. Is this not whom he died for? He died for his friends' greater love has no one than this, than to lay his life down for his friends. That's the very words of Christ. You may say, and maybe you've even thought it, maybe some of you are, are younger here this, this, this afternoon, maybe you think, well, we see that all the time. We, we read stories of someone dying for someone. We've seen that throughout history. We can read many books that pe- when people have done something heroic. There are many good stories of good men dying for a friend. I would agree that there are. But let us not lose sight of something. That we here speak of an incarnate Christ who is eternally and infinitely holy, dying for wretched sinners. Apostle Paul, as you well know, puts it wonderfully in Romans 5. He says this, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. We shall sing it, I hope, at the end of this service, but the hymn writer says it. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. I wonder if we just so quickly, us Christian, I, I don't know, I don't know 95% of you guys, you ladies. But if I, if I dare even presume that each one of you are the Lord's, I wonder how many of us are guilty of passing by these truths so easily and becoming all too familiar. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. I ask you again, do you hear that? Do you, do, you, do you sense, I dare say it, forgive me, but I dare say it, do you feel that? Do you know that experimentally? Do you know these precious truths in the very depth of your heart, your soul? Have you felt that? Have you felt it? That Christ has no longer called you servants. But he today calls you his friend. Those of you who are his, the very elect of God, who, who, who love him and obey his commandments, you dear ones are like Abraham, who was called what? He was called a friend of God. Oh, what great company we have. J.C. Ryle comments, for sinful men and women like ourselves to be called friends of Christ is something that our weak minds can hardly grasp and take in. The King of kings and the Lord of lords not only pity and saves all them that believe in him, but actually calls them his friend. You see, if you are my friend, I will let you down. I will. But you have a friend who sits, remember Hebrews, who purged our sins, who sits at the right hand of his father, who is the Alpha and the Omega, he is the beginning and the end. He is the one who took on flesh. This Christ today says, I'm your friend. And this friend won't let you down. Not for a millisecond. Not for a moment. The language of Paul, in, again in his letter to the church at Ephesus, is most fitting, is it not? To know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Do you know that? The beauty of it. The very reality of it. You who are God's friend, it is within this companionship, this friendship, where you have assured safety, both in life and in death. It is in this life to which you have all comforts, in him. In him. Not in your religiosity, not in your fidelity to the church. All these things are good. Please don't mis misunderstand them. Not even in your participation in the Lord's Supper. But in him, the substance is Christ. The person is Christ. It's 
It's a wonderful friendship, is it not? The friendship that you have with your chief shepherd. You have safety and you have help. You see, God's shepherds, they fend off all those who attack, don't they? That's what we as pastors are called to do, to protect the flock, to watch the very door. The fire exit, the, the trap, the, anywhere anybody can get in. We as shepherds, we are there to watch. To protect the flock. Where does your help come from, beloved? I think we have a culture. Again, you can disagree with me if you want. But we run to the pastor's office and we knock at his door. And we've never been to the chiefest of shepherds. Again, please don't mishear me that your pastor is there to, to pray with you, to weep with you, to rejoice with you, to celebrate with you, to be that person that you can go to, to whom Christ has put to care and to oversee your very soul. But how often we are mistaken to think that he is the one with the answer and we've never been to the chiefest of shepherds. Where does our help come from? Psalm 121, the Psalm of Ascent. These psalms would be sung as they, they traveled to Jerusalem for worship. Listen, again, familiar I know, but listen, I would ask, Psalm 121, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From whence comes my help? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He will keep you, will not slumber. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve you from all evil. He shall preserve your soul. The Lord shall preserve your going out and your comings in. From this time forth... And even forevermore. This should make our heart rejoice. This should keep us singing. We are not strangers. Nor are we servants. But rather again we are called friends. It is he, him, the Lord. Where comes my help? comes from the Lord himself, him who is called as friends. The result of that is this. There are many results, consequences, benefits from Christ being our friend. But let me mention a few. Do we go to him in prayer? I, I, I don't know, again, I don't... Some of I know Christ, I know a little bit of Mayan Bar, I know a little bit of Ridley Hall here, but not, not, not much. But I wonder how our prayer meetings are. Do we ask God as if he's some tooth fairy or some Father Christmas over there, as if we have no relationship with him, as if where we just hope? Some, some, some great old granddad who we've never met, we just, just kind of hope he'll answer us. But we, if, if we are Christian, if we know to whom we are asking of and from, ought to go to God in prayer with greater confidence because of who we are in Christ Jesus. He's our friend. It is him. We sing it. We proclaim it. We read it week in, week out. Our daily devotions as we read through the Psalms and the Proverbs and we flick the very page of Scripture tell us all the while that we have a God in heaven who loves his people and who will bless his people, yet we pray as if he's some great-grandfather that we've never met. My word, the word, tells us that we are friends, not slaves, not servants, but friends. And we, friend, we, you and I, this very moment, this afternoon, as we gather together from church, from churches over there, and we gather and we consider all of these things, we should be folk 
Forgive the Derbyshire language. We go to our Saviour, who has laid down his life for us, and have a greater assurance as we pray. What about the, 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 the assurance in our trials and our tribulations? It's a hard life, isn't it? Or is that just me? It's hard, isn't it? Christian life at times is hard. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Weary, sin, ever at the door. Satan in his fiery darts. Yet we have a friend who stands closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus. He is the chief shepherd. And we ought to, with his help, by his spirit, have a deeper and greater and higher assurance in our trials and our tribulations that he shall never forsake us. I love to read the friendship of Jonathan and David. How their souls, it says, were knitted together. We see the bond and the union in marriage. We speak of something more intimate. We speak of a saviour and his friends. And our chief shepherd watches over you. Day and night, we've read it. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. You see, this shepherd, our chief shepherd, shall not forsake you. This friend, your friend, Jesus Christ, watches over you. He is your shade. He is your friend. He is your rock and he is your salvation. Then, I ask, who then can you be afraid of? I didn't put my watch on this morning. I have no idea how long I've already been. My daughter said to me, this morning, my youngest daughter came into my office and she said, will you say, like you do at church, Daddy, that you're going to finish and then do another 15 minutes? That's what she said to me. It's amazing, isn't it? Out of the mouth of babes. Maybe I will. So I say, well, who then can you be afraid of? Can I dare say this to you this afternoon, that the church of Jesus Christ in our country is running scared? Running scared. Do we look weak? We're, we're, we're always, you know, well, the very elect will be saved, and we celebrate the congregations of eight and nine just because we're reformed. The elect. We're on the back foot. To hide behind our catechisms and, and all the rest of it. And friend, I'm thankful that someone pointed me in the directions of those sweet truths. Don't mishear me. But we belong to the chief shepherd in him who has all the victory. We have a friend. Who are we, who are we to be afraid of anybody? Or anything. Who can defeat your friend? Who can defeat, who can defeat Christ? Well, we know death can't. Amen? Amen? We know sin can't. We know Satan can't. Friends, in, the, in, in our friend this afternoon, we have the victory. It's all his. Our friend has won. And therefore we have to move on to our third and final point. Our shepherd who is our eternal hope. Wouldn't it be sad if he was our only hope in this life? I think Paul says that, doesn't he? However long I might live, I'm 40, I know. I don't look it. 60, 70. 
Maybe 80, some of you. 80 years of having a friend. Oh, friends, not only in this life are we have much to be pitied. Not just for our pilgrimage here, though we love and celebrate that we have a friend here on this earth. We wouldn't be without him, would we? Maybe some of you don't know much about me. Some of you may not want to know much about me. But in my background, when we speak of eternal hope, I was from a, a people who, who didn't really believe this eternal hope business, this, this perseverance of the saints, if you like. Yes, Christ died and saved sinners, but, but the thought that he keeps us was just a nice hymn. The idea for some that God is the one who holds you fast, again, is, is just a nice it's a nice hymn we sing at the end of a nice service. We keep ourselves, and if we want to run from Christ, then we shall, because really what we're saying is we're sovereign and he is not. Do you know where that leads to? Despair. Despair. For so often those kind of Christians, it's based upon one's performances every day. You've probably seen it. I'm sure you have. You've probably been in it. Can you imagine? Can you, can you imagine that, that you had to keep it? I don't need to hit that point this afternoon. I'm pretty convinced of that. I don't need to prove that doctrine to you. I hope I don't. But what I do want to do by the help of God is to remind you of it. Remind you of this hope, this eternal hope. I want to remind you as I, I begin now, thinking of my daughter here, but as I, I begin to finish, as I begin to bring a, a conclusion to you to encourage you that, that, that there's something of hope in a hopeless generation. Friends, I don't live when the Puritans live. I have to speak into this generation. And right now we sit here finding ourselves and the world we live in seemingly hopeless. We're not in that crowd. We're not there. We were. We were, weren't we? Some were such of you. We were hopeless. Living in this world, doing our thing, earning our money, driving our cars, hopeless. Now we've been brought nigh. I want to remind you that our chief shepherd is the one who preserves us. He has redeemed us. He has saved us from the bondage of sin and death. We are justified. Do you know that? We stand free. No more condemnation because of this redeeming work of our Christ, the chief shepherd. Psalm 23, I have to read it to you. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. Do you see David? He is saying he's a man who knows this. See where he's pointing? Do you see it? Do you see it? I'm asking you, friend, do you see it? He, he, he. Too much of me, me, me in our Christianity. He leads me beside the still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Oh, here we are, this great climax. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll fear no evil for you are with me, your rod and your staff. It is they that comfort me. You prepare, we sang it. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. One day, friend, every enemy of yours will laugh and be grieved. I'll see you in the king's table. Imagine the king's table. 
We're like Mephibosheth, aren't we? Been invited in. It's beautiful language. You prepare a tale before me in the presence of my enemies. You annoy my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Christ, our chief shepherd, who has purchased us, who has made us his friend, has given you and I eternal life. But why are you so downcast? Why are you so downcast? Dear brethren, saints, redeemed friendship, and then eternal life. You see, these words here from David are ones of great comfort to those who are his. We are here in this world Fighting a good fight. He said, it came into Peter, how are you? I'm fighting. We are, aren't we? We're fighting the good fight. Looking to our chief shepherd to guide us and to protect us. And dear beloved, this afternoon, he does that daily for us. He gives us an eternal promise. We have a place to dwell not for a thousand years, not even for 10,000 years, but rather we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This friendship was purchased by Christ's blood is one that is eternal, dear ones. It's eternal. The contract was signed in the blood of the Lamb. It's done. It's that Heidelberg Catechism, question one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong with body and soul, both in life and in death, my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from all the power of the devil, who preserves me in such a way that without the will of my heavenly Father, not a hair can fall from my head. Indeed, all things must work together for my salvation. Therefore, by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and makes me heartily willing and ready from now on to live for him. Christ our shepherd has done it all. He has conquered sin. He has conquered death. And soon, friend, very soon, he shall crush Satan under his feet. Friends, we conclude. Allow me to ask you if you would permit has Christ become far too familiar to you? Has your walk with him become cold? Are you just going through the motions? Have these precious truths just become something you know? Those of you who minister, has he just become a subject? I seek only to encourage you this afternoon and go back to your respective churches and to go to your homes and once again consider our chief shepherd. Consider all he has done. Consider all he's done for you. Friend, have you become lukewarm? Stay not in such a, such a state. Don't stay there. 
Don't, don't, don't stay there at all. Death. But run to your shepherd. The chief of shepherds. Your friend. He shall not give you a stone if you ask for bread. Nor a serpent if you ask for a fish. He is your father. He is your friend. What of you who of those trials and tribulations? All they can come thick and fast, can they not? Life and all that it's given and offered you at times seems so dull. Just feels so much and too much. Take it to your Lord in prayer. Don't continue any longer fighting or dealing it with yourself. But take it to your friend. For he cares for you. It says in Peter, cast all your cares upon him. And then we can say this, can't we? Knowing all of this, that one day we shall see him. How often do you think of that? That you shall see the chief shepherd. You shall look upon him. Your eyes shall behold him. It's not just a subject, is it? It's not just another sermon. It's real. It's life. It is our only comfort in life and death. As we walk this great pilgrimage, one day we shall see his beauty and we shall gaze upon his majesty. Oh, dear ones, those of you who are in the fight, those of you who are in the battle, one day there shall be no more sin. Tears shall be no more. But rather we shall have continued sweet communion with our shepherd, Christ, our friend. And John Newton says, doesn't he, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I trust that this will be a blessing and a help to you.